Stephen Pritchard. Good afternoon, Stephen. Good afternoon, Mark. Look, another big hour on the way. Uh, what can we look at? What are we looking forward to this time? Uh, we've got Harry Jennings coming up to give us uh, what's happening in the Australian market uh, for the last week, and we've got uh, we're going to talk about building a share portfolio and some of the common mistakes people make. And we're also going to have a bit of a talk about um, commodities and currencies. Uh. And good morning, good afternoon rather to you, Andrew. We've got a question on cryptocurrency for Stephen. Yes, good day, Stephen. Hi, Andrew. Um, my son is trying to push me into investing it and I really don't know much about it. Um, just your thoughts on the future of it, really. Uh, well, the first thing is if you don't know much about something, you shouldn't invest in it. That That's the first bit of advice um the second is well I, I, I you know who knows i mean that the, the the managing director of or the ceo as they call it in the us of uh, chase uh, jp morgan chase came out this week and said it's a big ponzi scheme and it's a fraud and it's all going to collapse so so um you know I, I think i'd probably tend to agree i mean cryptocurrency is just a computer algorithm and as long as people continue to think it's got some value and you can exchange something for it it probably has got a value, but but the moment people decide it's not really worth anything, it'll just disappear. I mean, a simple thing, if you can if you can print out IOUs, if you you personally can print out an IOU and go down the go down the shops in say Beaumont Street and exchange your IOU for some oranges at the fruit shop or, or whatever, uh, your IOU's got value. But if you go into the I and you go in the fruit shop and the fruit shop guy says, "Oh, I'm not taking your piece of paper." has got no value so a cryptocurrency is the same thing as long as people think it's got money it's got a value and they accept it for real goods and services it will and the moment everyone decides not to it won't be worth anything okay yeah, that, you, that, that was pretty much my view is um, if you don't understand it it's not real money no, no. If you don't understand it, don't invest. So great advice there, and uh, I think you pretty much said Andrew straight on that one, Stephen. I would imagine. But that's just general advice. If you don't understand things, you shouldn't really. You, you shouldn't either. Do get some to a, do well, some research say, first, yeah. and uh, and then go from there. Yeah. All righty. Uh, currency and commodities this week. Let's get into it. Uh, currencies. Uh, the gold. The gold price was down half a percent on the week to sixteen hundred and sixty-three dollars an ounce. Uh, the copper price was down almost four percent to eight thousand two hundred sixty-three dollars a ton. And the nickel price was down almost two percent to fourteen thousand eight hundred and forty-three dollars a ton, and the crude oil price was up uh, almost three percent to sixty-eight dollars and ninety-two ninety-five cents a barrel. Um, the Australian currency was was back below eighty cents last night, down to seventy-nine point eight two U.S. cents. Uh, against the good British pound, we were down about two percent on the week to sixty pence. And the U.S. and the New Zealand dollar we're down one percent on the week to one dollar and ten, and the euro we're up three point three percent to sixty-seven euro cents. And round the world in the equity markets, the Australian market, the Australian market still struggling along around the five thousand seven hundred, five thousand eight hundred point mark. So it was up to five thousand eight hundred four last week, up almost one percent on the week. Uh, the S&P 500 was up 1.3% to 2,498. Uh, the UK market was down 0.2% uh, to 7,379. And the Nikkei index was down, was up 2.4% to 19,865. There are some stocks that local people tend to like. Um, BHP. BHP was, was, was um, up uh, one 
uh, 0.18% on the week to $27.38, which is actually a bit better than it seems because it actually went ex-dividend during the week as well. So, so really, it was quite a, it wasn't a, it was quite a reasonable price rise there. Uh, CBA, CBA was up 3.4% on the week to 20, uh, to $76.55 after it, after it's uh, made a bit of a recovery after scandals that seem to have been besieging it the last couple of weeks. Banks and scandals, they seem to come and go. Yeah. Uh, the banks keep going, but the scandals come. <laughs> they keep coming yeah. back. And, uh, and they, uh, in a, uh, uh, NIB, NIB was down 2.3% of the week to $5.80 and Telstra continues to sink away uh, down another 2.6% to $3.62 so yeah, so anyhow the fuel price, a bit of bright news in Newcastle is down 1.3% uh, of the week to a dollar twenty-three cents a litre in Sydney Sydney is up 13% to uh, $1.34 cents a litre not that I ever pay any attention to fuel. I just don't. I fill up when I need to fill up. But uh, how, that's, that's what I do how, how can we actually figure out what, what goes on here? Because it just seems to be very confusing to me. I don't know. We had Kyle on last week. And he, he, and he didn't know. Well, that's that's a, a very scientific we just, answer. We just I don't get know. this data off, the, I think, the NRMA website. Mm. They, they obviously sample yeah. stuff. And, yeah. But it's all over the place. Um, it did mention there was, I forget which days you said, there is some evidence that the fuel prices do go up on certain days. In the old days, I say old days, I'm talking about Last a decade week. ago. It used to be Tuesdays was cheap fuel day, but they sort of didn't yeah, like yeah. that and they just mishmashed it all. Yeah, and so the diesel's a dollar twenty six a litre in Newcastle and a dollar twenty three in Sydney. This so that's pretty much for our commodities and currencies for the week. And I guess this week with Steve, we're going to start with the power stations. Very touchy for us in the Hunter at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. so, so the uh, ACCC has come out and said that uh, AGL's, AGL's ownership of Liddell and Bayswater is anti-competitive and consumers are bearing the price, uh, the cost of this. So, yeah. is the AGL share price still going up, Henry? No. Uh, uh-huh. can, I, can I give your listeners the biggest tip that they're going to get this week? Yeah. I did this the other day. Um, I phoned up AGL, actually, to be completely honest. My wife phoned up AGL. Yes. Said, we're on a plan that gives us a 7% discount. Are there any alternatives? They said, yeah, we'll give you on a plan that's worth 24% discount on your energy prices. Wow. Now, that don't was ask, you don't get. Call. Don't ask, don't get. So, for, for my money, you, you should make that phone call today. Phone up your energy provider and say, hey, you know what? I need a better plan, and if you don't give it to me, I'm going to go somewhere else. And you know what happens? They give you a better plan. So you have to kind of wonder with ABL and all the other guys how much they're kind of ripping us off for AGL. Um, I have to feel a bit sorry for them. These guys have been doing the right thing. They've been saying for years and years and years, we are getting out of coal. We are getting we are getting into renewables. We are closing old technology. We're closing an old power station that's coming to the end of its useful life. And then suddenly the government wakes up and goes, oh, my God, we've got a, we've got a problem. Um, and we need AGL to solve it. Well, they haven't been listening for so long. Um, and AGL's been talking. So I feel a bit sorry for AGL. Um, that, I think if you phone up your provider and ask them for a discount, you might be pleasantly surprised. How long were you on hold for? I phoned up Origin twice the other week. No. <laughs> and I was on 50 minutes and I gave up both times. Well, I, I think it, uh, it's been said that the Apple um, iPhone 8 has had the battery life extended, oh, so okay. that you can be on so you can be on hold for Telstra and AGL and Origin for much longer now. That's, that's why <laughs> so we need it. So that's probably why. That's, 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 that's the primary reason I think they've extended the battery life. 
I'll, I'll ask them that next time. I have to bring them yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, that's a good... 24%. Is it good? Is it is big, a bloody, big it's a bloody good... Uh, it's just amazing that is, you can ring up and they can just give you that off the bat. It's just amazing. Yeah, same same, same with your phone company as well. That's, that's another... Well, don't get me started on that one. No, we won't. We won't. We won't. They, they've sort of, <laughs> you don't definitely get start on the MBN company. Don't start on... Oh, don't even, don't even go there, Stephen. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the telecommunication ombudsman came out a couple of weeks ago and said she can't pinpoint the reason why there's an increased complaints about the MBN. And I posted really? on her Facebook site that if she wanted to give me a call, I'd tell her, but I haven't heard a word. <laughs> I know. You know what's really, you know what's really scary? I, I don't know how much the MBN is going to cost, $50 billion or whatever, which um, we've all paid for. Um, there's a company now, Ovo, um, which I'm not really plugging, but they do um, like mobile broadband using Optus's 4G network. Yeah. which gives you 100 gigs for 100 bucks a month. Now, it's faster than MBN. It's not dissimilar pricing. And for most people, 100 gigs is a fair amount of data. So, um, you know, and with 5G coming, they're, uh, they're rushing through the auction for 5G. You're going to find in three or four years' time that nobody actually uses the MBN anymore because they're all using um, fixed um, or mobile broadband through their phone on 5G. Well, it's slower than what the ADSL was. That's why. Oh, it's just anyway. Let's not yeah. go down this. It's terrible. So we'll go on to some more topics. So, so Blackmores and Bega, the joint ventures, not going that well. They were announced to no, us no. fourteen million for the year. Yeah, well, this this was kind of the the, the big dream of Blackmores to uh, to push the infant baby formula powder. I have to say, I mean, the share price in Blackmores has gone amazingly well. We were buying it in the low nineties, and it's now. You know, in, in the mid hundred and teens, so um, it has gone very well uh, recently. Um, but um, you know, this is obviously a, a bit of a fail for Blackmores, but it's a rare fail for Blackmores. They're still a very well trusted brand and uh, doing well in China. Of course, they've got a new guy at the helm, so that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But um, yeah, it's still a quality company, although. Um, it is in vitamins, which have a marginal benefit, I have to say, <laughs> but great marketing. Yeah, and it has only been going two years, so it's not that long. No, no, and, they, yeah, uh, and, and it has been sort of proven, I guess, that you have to uh, you have to prove and, and build your brand in Australia before it's trusted enough overseas. Um, so it does take a while. A2 Milk have done a very good job out of it, and of course Bellamy's uh, have done a a pretty good job out of building a brand here and then using that to leverage into the very lucrative Chinese market. Yeah. So down at Asia Pacific Data Centers, I thought this takeover offer was all over, but it seems to have started <laughs> up again. No, this is this is going to run and run and run. This is this is this is going to have more comebacks than the John Farnham tour. Um, it's um, what what happened is some years ago, Next DC, which runs cloud computing and, and data centers decided it was a really cool idea to flog off the actual real estate to keep the um, keep the data centre themselves. So they would run it, but somebody else would uh, own the building and they would put that into the hands of investors and they would then have a kind of a sweetheart deal with the rent that they would be charged. problem was that uh, along came a company called 360 Capital who had other ideas um, and wanted uh, the data centres to start expanding and doing other things apart from just dealing with Next DC. So as a result, they lobbed the bid. Next DC lobbed the bid. Everyone's lobbed bids, and, and we're now in sort of a, a, an auction for the company, and it's up to a dollar ninety-five now in cash. 
from 360 Capital. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, stand, stand by. Keep, keep holding your um, Asia-Pacific data centre shares because there's probably more to come. More to come. And over at QBE, we've got a, a, a new uh, a CEO coming up. We have. John Neal, who's been there for five years um, and has presided over some... Uh, some, some disappointments in his time, including a bit of an office issue with uh, one of the members of his staff. Uh, he finally, I think there was some pressure brought to bear by some of the institutions, and he's finally decided to resign, retire, and move on, um, and has been uh, taken, his place has been taken over by a guy called Pat Reagan, or Regan, who's, uh, who was the CFO, a numbers man. So this may be, he is an internal guy, but he's only been there a couple of years, so he's not a dyed-in-the-wall kind of QBE guy. And it may be that this is kind of a turning point for QBE. Um, of course, everyone was concerned about their uh, exposure to Hurricane uh, Harvey, Irma, and uh, I don't know what happened to Katia. I think Katia just disappeared. Um, but there was some concern about their exposure. But it looks as if uh, they've been kind of let off the hook. So we may see a slightly better um, kind of tone around the QBE story for, for a little while anyway. Uh, we might just take a, a short break and come back and talk about Woolworths. And Henry, Woolworths are trying something new. Some pick-up points. What can you tell us? Um, yeah, Woolworths, I, I guess this is the fight back against Amazon. Um, and uh, Woolies are looking to make it easier to order online and then pick it up as you uh, as you kind of drive through. It's almost like a drive-through pickup, so you order your shopping. Um, and they have uh, special car spots where you can park and they kind of just bring it out to your car, which... Um, seems to be uh, a good concept in theory, but uh, it's all about this fight back against the uh, the looming Amazon uh, invasion, I guess. Uh, so we'll wait and see how it works out. But certainly, you know, good retailers are not lying down and taking it. Uh, they, they need to, uh, to fight back and, and, and provide an experience and provide value and provide, uh, a, um, I guess, a, a better shopping experience for people. Yeah, but it's a bit of back to the future, though, because I remember when I was a kid. Are you going to say parcel pickup? Yeah. Yes, I was waiting for someone <laughs> you, to say it. And you used oh. to be able to ring up and just go down and get it from parcel pickup. Oh, it's even more back to the future because Coles down in Victoria are sending kids out on bikes to deliver the groceries. <laughs> it's like it's like open all hours with Arkwright and uh, Ronnie Barker and David Jason and Nurse Gladys Emanuel. We're, we're going back to the 50s where, you know, it's, it's personal service and and people actually deliver stuff to you with a smile. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. So much for disruptive technology, it's actually uh, it's disrupting us back to a, a gentler time. So what, push bikes or motorbikes? Or? Yeah, no, they, these are push bikes. They're sending kids out on the bicycle deliveries to deliver um, your, your your groceries. And there's certainly there's some pharmacists that do the, the same thing. With, yeah, pharmacists uh, with, with, always don't appear. With, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's... It's kind of uh, it's a back to the future moment, I guess. Oh, well, I'll see. Pharmacists always done happy for their elderly patients, so yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a great idea. And yeah, I, I have a I, I have to take some uh, some various drugs for uh, cholesterol and all that sort of stuff. And um, I I have an app now that I just order the stuff and I push a little button when it gets the refill, and it just advises the uh, the chemist that I need a refill of my um, my little druggies. And um, I walk in and they're ready and I just walk out again. Oh, well. How right. that? That's good. That's good. Cool. That's good. Um, and McGrath. McGrath. McGrath's not oh, so cool. It's not so cool. These guys are on drugs. Or were. <laughs> um, yeah, M M McGrath, which was one of the big high-profile floats, I guess, for the last couple of years. They, they, they flogged this a real estate agency business and they, they flogged themselves off to 
the market at two dollars ten, and they're currently around seventy cents. They've they've suffered seriously in the in the downturn in the property market. And uh, one of the problems they've had is some of their star agents actually left to uh, to set up rival operations. But not only did they set up rival operations, but these poor poor guys also had shares in McGrath, which they were un- they couldn't sell because they were escrowed. So <laughs> the shares have come out of escrow. And they've had to sell them on the market, and they sold them at 65 cents, which is a long way away from $2.10 where uh, the, sh- the shares floated. Um, you have to say they probably got the shares for nothing uh, as part of their incentives package to stay with McGraw. They probably didn't pay anything for them. <laughs> um, so they're still 65 cents up, but they're probably ruining the day when uh, they could have got out at $2.10 had it not been for escrows. And of course, setting up against McGraw has only made the share price go down. So they're kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit but anyway be that as it may they're, they're getting out they're out they're out and, mm. and now, probably the bottom of the market as well mm, someone else told me that yeah. I mean yeah. the, is the real estate market turned down in Sydney I mean over the last it doesn't appear for over the last couple of years it might well, have got I mean, dropped in the last month or so but you know yeah I mean at the end of the day real estate agents it's all about volume rather than prices um, they just want people to do stuff yeah um, they just want listings. So what happens, the problem that happens is that people, when uh, prices start to go down and demand isn't there, people hang on for longer and the listings kind of dry up. I've got a, a number of friends in the real estate business um, and that, that's certainly something that's happened in Sydney. And prices have very much come off the boil. Um, but, you know, there's this, this, this still a very, very strong property market. Um, and, and the problem is when there's no listings, of course, the ones that are listed tend to grab headlines and also be quite highly priced because there's a lot of people still chasing uh, one property instead of ten. Mm. Mm. Anyhow, chasing packages and stuff, the, the, the CEO of, a, of the previous CEO of Australia Post is a chairman of ProPAC, which hasn't hasn't been a, exactly a star performer. Now they've turned around and bought some industrial and agricultural packaging to, to enlarge the business. Yeah, I, I saw this in this, this uh, Ahmed Farood, um, who was uh, paid an absolute gazillion dollars at Australia Post, and I'm really not kind of sure why. Um, he obviously managed to persuade the board that he was mm-hmm. particularly, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, his, his, his other role or his, his new role um, is in this less spectacular, less high-profile uh, um, company, and they, they haven't done very well, but maybe maybe he can weave his magic there. We'll wait and see. And just before we go, uh, Quickstep Holdings, I think you mentioned that once before. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a shareholder in Quickstep, which is a, much to my dismay, and I have been a shareholder for a long time, and it's all it's ever done is just tap people on the shoulder for more and more money and dilute more and more of the uh, shareholders' say it's, it's, it's got great potential. It makes... Uh, it does sort of specialised parts for uh, fighter jets and other things with carbon fibre. It's, it's a bit like having a, uh, a, a Jaffel maker um, for carbon fibre, is I guess the way mm-hmm. I would describe it. And um, they bake they bake stuff that uh, into into weird and wonderful shapes using uh, their technology in in, in this, this sort of Jaffel machine. But uh, yeah, it's um, it shows lots of good promise. It's great technology, um, but unfortunately, they have been money hungry and it's taken a lot longer than. Uh, and us shareholders, I even bought them in the float. That was a mistake, wasn't it? Ah, oh, you only, it's very <laughs> rarely you make a mistake, Henry. And I'm sure that when you're writing for your newsletter, you don't make a mistake. Can't, can't oh, be, can't we, be we, right we, all the time. We can't be right all the time, exactly. As the Dalek said, climbing off the dust. Yeah, so where do we get a sample of your writing from? 
Um, you can go to uh, marcuscafe.com.au and uh, sign up for a free trial. You can even give Nikki or Chichi a ring and they can sort you out with a, uh, a free trial. And we're doing a new thing called Insiders Club as well where you can uh, share your insights and we'll share ours with you on sort of the more sensitive stuff. So if I ring Nikki or Chichi, will you guarantee mm. that I won't be on hold for 50 minutes because my battery is on my phone? I can guarantee it, Stephen. Thanks, Henry. But, Henry, if we are on hold for a period of time, we can just log in, order our groceries through the, the return of parcel pickup. I'm very excited that that's coming away back. Thank you for yeah. your time. Thanks, Henry. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Remember you are talking a little earlier today about Andrew and uh, you were saying to him, look, if you don't understand something, you shouldn't be investing in it. And I guess you should really take a step back and breathe a little bit before jumping into a share portfolio, shouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you need to do, you need to do a bit of research to do a bit of planning and, and we'll just talk about some of the basic things here today. I mean, one of the things that, that, that people, you know, when we're talking about building a portfolio, um, we need to know, you need to have a give a thought about how many shares you should actually have in a portfolio. Now, there, there is some statistical analysis that says that, you know, your risk is minimised when you get or your risk starts to be minimised when you've got about 14 shares in a portfolio. Um, just because the maths is easy, we, we say 20. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it and we'd all be multi-millionaires, yeah, yeah, so, we? so we basically say, you know, if you're going to build your portfolio, you need to look around 20 stocks mm -hmm. um, and, and that kind of gives you about 5% more or less in each one. And I guess as well, being diversified, that diversification seems to come up a lot when we talk about shares, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, so, 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 so what we would say is, you know, people talk about diversification and, and you need, and, and this is another thing that, that's, that's misunderstood as well. So if you're going to diversify your portfolio, and say you've only got a very small portfolio and you've only got, say, four stocks, a diversified portfolio is not, in our view, going along and buying ANZ, Westpac, CBA and National Bank. <laughs> right? No, that'd be the, pretty much the, the opposite of that. The, the problem with that is, is yes, it's diversified between all the stocks, but you can generally, generally come to the conclusion that the, the companies in the same industry are going to be affected by the same things. So, it, 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 for example, um, if interest rates uh, uh, do something that squeezes the bank's margins, all of the big four's bank's margins... Are they'll all be filling the same thing. And they'll yeah. all go the way, same way. So, 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 for example, if you had four stocks, um, a four-stock puller, you might look at a, a bank stock, a retailer, uh, some kind of resource stock, and, and maybe a health stock. So when you're, when you're looking at diversifying your portfolio, the first thing, yep, work out, you know, the number of stocks you want. Um, and probably you might need to take that in steps because, you know, if you're talking about 20 stocks, you probably really need about 100,000. Okay. Okay, so you're going to buy $5,000 on each. So, so, but, you know, you can get there in steps. Um, and then you need to look, as well as the stocks, you need to look at the sectors. So, so, so you need to, if you've got four stocks, look at four, if you've got, you know, a small amount of money, you want to buy four stocks, look at four different sectors and don't, don't invest in... All of those. So I guess income is what it's all about. Now you mentioned getting up to a nice, healthy amount of a hundred thousand, and I can just imagine anybody listening to that has probably taken a bit of a deep breath. But no, no, no. we've got lots of wealthy clients listening. To oh, yeah, I get that, it's, but it's but it, but, but it does take a long time to get to that. So I mean, while you're building up to such a such an amount, um, what sort of income can you realistically Look, expect? Mate, this is one of the things that, that most people 
most people seem to uh, and then when, when they talk about things when you talk about shares all you ever hear about from them is uh it's only gone up three percent or it's only gone up five percent and they forget about the income and the long-term analysis of the equity markets tells us that 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 50 percent of your return comes from your income so just by concentrating on the capital gain or possible capital loss um you're not taking it into whole account. You need to look at the income. And, and you know, if, you, if you're looking at it, uh, it's, these days, you'd expect a, a reasonably diversified share portfolio to, to return between 3 and 4%. The long-term average return on the Australian equities market is, is, it has been falling because of the GFC numbers in there, but, but probably around 10%. So if you look at those numbers now, you, you're only talking about, you know, five or six percent coming from capital gain and three or four percent coming from your income now depending on what type of stocks you're selecting in their portfolio you could tilt it more to income or tilt it more to capital gain Stephen, we've been talking about uh, building a share portfolio i guess there are some common mistakes that people make oh uh, yeah some of the common mistakes are one like we just spoke about is that um that that i think they're diversifying it by buying the four banks <laughs> but they're not really yeah they're not really um another thing you quite see quite often is people um particularly with the privatisations come along, you'll see people come in with they've got Commonwealth Bank and maybe Telstra and, and maybe some more worse. And they've done quite very well out of, out of Telstra when it was paying the high dividends and they've kind of kept holding and holding as the price has gone down from the nine dollars. They've gone on the slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. So, so you need to look at you need to look at the you need to look at the portfolio from time to time. And I don't mean every day, but look at it from time to time to see if there's any things that have changed that are going to affect the long term outcome for those for those stocks. I mean worse there's some concern about um Amazon coming into the country. Personally I don't reckon that's going to affect the grocery business one bit. They're, you know, they they've been in the US delivering groceries for, for 10 years and they've got half a percent market share. Always as big threat, I would have thought, would be Aldi and other supermarket chains, not Amazon. Mm. Um, and then banks, there's, you know, the, the, the scandals and the issues that banks... So, so one of the big mistakes is people don't look at their portfolios regularly enough and, and, and you know, they need to review those. Um, one of the big record-keeping mistakes is they make dividend reinvestment plans and they don't keep their records and it's a nightmare to go and reconstruct them um, when you go to sell or someone passes away or something and you've got to pay the tax for any share. And um, the time frame, um, you, you, you know, you should be looking at a minimum of three to five years. If you, if you aren't kind of prepared to invest in that, in that the share market for three to five years, you're better off putting in a term deposit at the, the, the bank or the credit union, I reckon. Some great advice there, Stephen. And uh, I guess as Kenny Rogers once said, you've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. He'll be back next week with more Thursday Finance. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.